Hi love, I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to the Pink But Not Weak podcast. My name is Natalia and I'm your host. I'm the founder of Pink But Not Weak and a life coach. I'm here to help you unleash your inner goddess and create a meaningful life full of joy, abundance, balance, and peace. In this podcast, we'll be talking about topics such as how to massively uplevel your career, your relationships, your confidence, your productivity, and success. And I will do this through powerful conversations with women who have something valuable to share. My goal is to amplify the voices and stories of fearless women around the world who break barriers and make a lasting impact in their respective fields. Thank you for tuning in. Let's elevate together and start living your best life today. Hello, everyone. I'm with Natalie today. She is um, the founder and CEO of Juno House. It's such a pleasure to have you here with us. Thank you so much. Thank you, Natalia, for taking the time to come and visit us. Amazing. Um, Natalie, um, she's a founder of Juno, as I said, and Juno House is basically Barcelona's first members club that is designed by and for women uh, with an emphasis on holistic well-being and professional development. Um, Juno House basically offers business, wellness, and motherhood services for women all over the world that are based and live in Barcelona. So yeah, I would like to start this interview by asking you, who is Natalie? <laughs> Um, so as we were having a little bit of chit chat, you know, before starting the recording, um, my name is Natalie. I'm originally from Chicago. My father is Spanish from Barcelona. My mother is Greek American. And I've always kind of spent my childhood and early years traveling a lot between the United States and Spain. And about 10 years ago, I decided to make Barcelona my home. Mm-hmm. So I have a little bit of that multicultural background when it comes to growing up. And this love affair, like many other people with the city of Barcelona, resonates from my father and just from loving the lifestyle and making it. I'm a mother. I have two small children, Elliot and Chloe. Elliot's about four and a half and Chloe two and a half. And they're definitely an integral part of also my entrepreneurship journey. Beautiful. And what were your biggest cultural shocks that you experienced from moving to the U.S. of Chicago, like such a big city to Barcelona? I think that because I spent so much time really being between both places, I didn't have so much of a cultural shock until really maybe when I kind of embraced the ambition and the professionalism was part of my personality. I lived in other cities. I lived in San Francisco for a while when I worked on the Obama campaign. I lived in New York because my background is in advertising. Um, and I traveled a lot through EMEA from being based in Barcelona. I think that all cities have something special. Barcelona is very much a town. So if you live in a big city, totally. I feel like <laughs> and it's the town. You run yeah. into people at the, at the bakery. Yeah. That doesn't really happen in Chicago. Yeah. You know, you run into the same people when you're on vacation. Yeah. It's definitely a town. But I think that for a family, like as a mother now, me and my husband feel like we love the place to raise our children. Mm. And for Juno House, it was a perfect factor. Yeah. I lived in Los Angeles for almost two years and I can totally relate to what you said, like Barcelona being a town. It's yeah. Like, yeah. Everyone knows each other. Everyone goes to the same places. Um, so, yeah, it's I, a town. Totally. hundred percent. And so um, the idea of doing a house basically came to you when you were on maternity leave with your son, Elliot, because you realized the importance of having that work-life balance, right? So how do you manage to have this work-life balance? What strategies do you use? Yeah, I think the work-life balance is totally not one size fits all. Um, it's true that the idea for Juno House came to me while I was 
pregnant, actually. And it wasn't until I had the time of being on maternity leave that I could actually start kind of like materializing and and really thinking about what that would look like. Um, I had traveled so much that by the time I was experiencing motherhood, you know, I all of a sudden thought I need a lot of different support channels. Um, and I was getting nervous about what work-life balance would look like and how I was going to be able to reconcile all of these different parts of my life. And as a woman, you know, we're complicated and we are different and we have different moods and different phases. Um, so right now, I think that work-life balance, like today, my son is here, so he's upstairs. I might pop in and do a little bit of a podcast bomb. And I would love <laughs> So today, it's like I dropped Chloe off at daycare and now he's with me because it's Friday and it's casual and I don't have that many meetings. So I brought it to me. Usually I'm very scheduled and um, it's become the only way to survive. I, we go to the mountains a lot. So for us, we're by balance with the family. It's on the weekends before the Pyrenees and that's how we just. Oh, I love that. And also having that flexibility to bring your kid in if you want to. Yeah. Right. And a lot of members do that. So and I was laughing because, you know, my son is he's a little boy. He's very rambunctious. It's hard to get him to sit still. But the other day, I had a couple of different members come in because they're in the same situation. Their kids are off school, you know, or still in summer. And I just love watching the members bring their kids here and order like pancakes from the cafe and just kind of hang out. And so it's really a joy for me to see that. Beautiful. I'm sure it is. And could you tell me about your background and journey to becoming a CEO? What experiences shaped your career path? Because I know there are so many people that are stuck in jobs they don't like and they're, they're not feeling fulfilled. So, yeah, what experiences shaped your career path? Um, uh, so, briefly mentioned, my background has always been kind of rooted in communications, marketing, and brand consultancy. Mm -hmm. um, so, I started my first, I guess, professional adventure on the Obama campaign of 2008. That was the year that I graduated university to kind of get a little bit of an anchor to my story. Um, and I feel like I learned from the best storyteller of all time. So I've always been really inspired by creative storytelling, by marketing, by branding. Um, and I moved into this world of advertising early on. I worked for a very big, big digital PR firm for many years, both in Barcelona and in New York. Um, and when I moved back to Barcelona, because I took kind of a hiatus, I went to New York for about two and a half, three years. And that probably leading back to the question is one of the first moments where I realized that the world is so big and that there's so many ways to make an impact. Um, I think it's probably when I found my like ambitious and my ambition um, was in New York. And then when I moved back to Barcelona, it's also probably one of the first times that I realized, oh man, I love this city, but it's lacking in a lot of areas. And I think I started kind of putting together the dots a little bit that mm -hmm. this New York spirit and a Barcelona lifestyle would be really innovative. Um, as a CEO, I'm still learning. So my background is much more in marketing. I'm mm -hmm. probably more equipped to be a CMO, you know, mm -hmm. CEO, or you learn on the go. I don't have an MBA, don't have a formal training. But I was lucky enough to be high enough in my career as a, at a director level in marketing mm -hmm. that I really was able to learn from, you know, being a part of executive meetings and working alongside the CEO in different, in different environments. I think that helped me a lot. And now I surround myself by good people. So I have operational people. I have a COO. Have my co-founders, you know, we're all kind of part of this of this experience. Mm -hmm. And how important do you think it is to surround yourself by good people? And what do you mean by that? There's no way you can start a company if you don't. You know, I think that like one of the one of the best pieces of advice I got is, you know, surround yourself by people who are smarter than you. You know, like there's just no way if you put together a mediocre team because you want to be the star, then I think that would work maybe in like a creative project that pop ups or 
three months, but I don't think it's possible to create a viable business model out of that. You know, you need to have people that are no more than you in, in their areas of expertise. So I think that we always try and push it. Whenever I get somebody here who's a rising star, it makes me thrilled, you know, and then when this person is amazing at design mm-hmm. or this person knows so much about hospitality. Wow. I don't know anything about hospitality. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really key to, to business. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I feel like everyone has its own superpower, you know, right. and it's just about developing it. Um, but yeah, having a team that is talented in their own way, I think is key because everyone is different, right? And I w- anyone has its own abilities. Sure. Um, and so can you share a specific example of a difficult decision you've had to make as a CEO and how you navigated through it? I think that there's probably at least one difficult situation a week. I think that one of the areas where we had like our first challenge, you know, to speak more broadly, was Juno House was so incredibly, this is, this, this, a lot of times they say what is really good can then become a problem, right? And like Juno House had this incredible press launch, you know, we were everywhere, you know, we organic organic media when it came to social media growth when it came to actually being covered in the news both locally internationally digital and print we had such an incredible like rocket ship launch that we weren't ready for you know we were still putting together the website and we all of a sudden had 200 applications for membership you know it was like a day i was remember saying i'm so grateful that we have this website because we weren't even going to have it ready and it was that was an example of having my ceo all the time say, I'm not, I'm not sleeping tonight. I know that tomorrow we're going to have, you know, we're going to have something's going to happen. And we put that together overnight to make sure we were ready. Mm. And so I think that entire experience of what they call in Spanish, casi moreno de éxito, almost, you know, failing because of too much fixing was really hard for us because we were so excited and we were so humbled by the outreach, but operationally we were not ready. We didn't have mm. process, we didn't have mm. a customer success team. Mm. We didn't have digital tools we didn't have our software and all of a sudden we had 200 women and then it was 400 and then it was 600 mm. and we were just inundated by applications that we didn't have a team to respond mm. and i think as a ceo like that's one of the first moments where i go be careful what you wish for because in our next location when we open i'll certainly won't necessarily open that you know that that faucet until we're ready to give a really great experience yeah because i'm all about starting before you're ready and taking perfect action and all that stuff. But yeah, this, you can pay the price. You can pay the price in a model that's big, you know, that like, and again, I agree with you and I would still say that it's better to go for it than to wait in most, most situations. But it's true that when you have a business like Juno that touches everything, because that's what makes it so innovative, right? Mm -hmm. We're a members club, but we also have this well-being, you know, Mm -hmm. part of our, part of our business. We have Little Juno, which is for families. We have, you know, F&B, we have a cafe, we have a restaurant, and then we have all of the events and experiences. Mm-hmm. If you're not more tied up, you know, it mm-hmm. can be hard to give a really excellent experience to your first members. But luckily, like any, I think any early adopters or founding members, whether it's, you know, a new tech product or whether it's a members club, people that want you to succeed have patience for you. Mm-hmm. And our, our members have been like, Wow, I'm so happy to yeah. hear that, honestly. And um, what leadership qualities do you believe that are essential for any female CEO? Or what leadership qualities do you believe that you have? I think that one of the things that's been, that has helped me 
is that I've never been a try. I've never been afraid to try things, and I've never been afraid to take risks. And I think that like more than ever now, I think that that's really helped Juno House, and that's really helped me. On the days that I'm feeling insecure, I can already see my leadership be a little bit rocky, you know, because people look up to you and that's what makes you a good leader. And so it's really important, I think, to be in mental physical shape, to be able to come in and be cool headed, you know, and we're women, especially with more emotions. That's a fact. And I can tell you that's definitely a fact after having operated in junior house for a year and a half. Mm -hmm. Our team is 90% female. You know, um, I don't think that's actually on purpose. We'd love to have more men working at the house because mm-hmm. that's, that's not a rule at all. But there's a lot of emotion. And I think that as a leader, you know, our leadership team, we have to be cool-headed because you have to make sure that people understand that you're accessible, but that you know what you're doing. And I think that confidence is really key to leadership mm-hmm. and that people that don't feel naturally confident, there's ways to work on that. And, you know, through coaching and just through exercise. And I don't mean through like, having I don't mean the the physical aspect of that I mean just feeling like you have you have the energy to lead is really important yeah everything is interconnected right if you don't right. physically feed you're not going to feel mentally fit right. and vice versa too and there's actually something that a lot of women struggle with right especially when we're in our period for example we maybe not feel as confident or as productive and then we yeah. judge ourselves because we're like oh I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing right so yeah, like, do you implement any specific strategies on those days that you don't feel as confident, for example? How do you stay strong and cool-headed? No, you got to be an actress as well. Take it till you make it, yeah, right? I think acting is part of being a CEO for anybody in this role. And again, in a very good way, right? Like, I don't mean faking it and, and, and being falsifying. No, I mean, from a, from a personal perspective mm. of when you walk into a room, smile, you know, and and Juno House is very unique because this is a very open model. You know, maybe later you can do some capturing content for your people who are watching, but everybody sees you. So it's even more important to really evoke that you love what you do. And I do love what I do, but there's days where you're tired. Yes, of course. And like, maybe one day I'll have enough under control that I'll just stay home. But that's yeah, been the case. Yeah. yeah, like we all have good and bad days, right? It doesn't matter if you're like a CEO, if you're Barack Obama, if you're Oprah right. Winfrey, we all have good and bad days. We all struggle with insecurity, the imposter syndrome. It's totally normal, of course. right? And um, the Juno woman believes in collaboration versus competition. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, so this was really like it's always been at the at the root of Juno, right? So we talk a lot about work life balance, and then we talk a lot about collaboration versus competition. I think those are like the two messages that you always kind of see woven. Mm-hmm. One speaks to more of like the services and the design and what we offer on a very tangible level, and the other talks about our philosophy and our values. So people ask, "What's a Juno woman?" I'm like, "Listen, believes in the in this key in this key principle, right? Women who are here." to learn from one another, to support one another, to be there on the good days, the bad days. Um, and I think collaboration versus competition has been absolutely what was part also of the success in the beginning. I think a lot of people resonated with that message and we see it. You know, we have in just a year and a half of being operational, we have more than 20 groups of women who have created their own initiatives at the Howard. We have women in tech, we have women in TikTok, we have um a digital group that it's more executive level women who work for big companies like SAP and Salesforce who come mm. change experiences. We have Feedback Fridays, which is a group of entrepreneurs of women who come here to share feedback, to basically do focus grouping and support one another. 
We have a gastronomy group. It's amazing. And this is all, these are all examples of women who share similar interests who mm-hmm. are be slightly competitive outside of junior high mm-hmm. because maybe they both have the same business service, but here it's all about supporting one another. I love that. And this is actually something that I also do, you know, with my coaching business. I coach mainly women and I have a group of women from different countries, different cultures, different backgrounds. And the goal is to just support and encourage each other, right? Because as women, you can feel pretty lonely sometimes, especially if you're like an entrepreneur or if you're like high up in a business, it can be a very like lonely journey. So knowing that you have that support group that you can rely on whenever you need to, it brings you like a lot of peace of mind. So yeah, I feel like we're very aligned, yeah. you know, with this collaboration versus competition. Um, and yeah, you mentioned that of course you need to like take a lot of like risky decisions and, and make important decisions, right? Within your role. So how do you manage to like stay calm and at peace when you need to take a decision that is risky? Um, I ch- it's, it's like a very fine line between analyzing the situation and not acting in the moment, but also not letting yourself go into analysis paralysis. Mm. And this is something that like I talk a little bit about when I do public speaking and keynote, you know, because it's really a fine line. And as women, it's even finer, mm. you know, because it's really easy to go. I made up my mind in the moment, boom, which works for a lot of things. Mm. But when you're doing something delicate, which could be HR, or it could be customer service, things that where there's people on the other side, that's risky. And it's also risky to give yourself too much time that all of a sudden you're in a, like in a, you know, a wheel of just spinning, do I do this, do I do that? Really hard. So I don't think there's like a formula for that, mm-hmm. but I try and really kind of um, focus. Yeah. And again, in Spanish, there's a saying like, um, don't like, no pensas in, 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 caliente ni frío. You know, like it's like this fine line of like finding the mm-hmm. middle ground. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I can't. I'm not wise enough to answer that question, <laughs> but I do really try and, and remember that. Yeah. I feel like as women, we're really very intuitive also. So I feel like it's also about playing with your gut, with your instinct, and not overthinking, you know, because I went thinking, but yeah. nothing impulsive. Exactly. <laughs> That's the final. Which for me, a very impulsive. I'm like the opposite of like an overthinker. And yeah, now I'm like trying to find that balance because it's that very nice. Fine line. And yeah. Especially yeah yeah 100 percent. and can you share a memorable achievement or moment that you're particularly proud of during your time well as a ceo or like throughout your life anything you would like to share with us i mean i'm just so proud of everything obviously related to junior house i'm really grateful like i feel even more proud now because i took off this month of august i mean i took off i was working but i wasn't here i was with my family i was traveling around chicago i was in the mountains and now coming back, I feel like I'm seeing everything through this very clear lens. And I look at my team and I go, wow, last September when I came back, I felt so guilty because I felt like, oh my gosh, we're not ready. We're still not ready. I was going into that mental mm. welter of, oh my gosh, we're not good enough. It's mm. work. Mm. Our team's not prepared, you know. And now I came back and I looked at my team and I go, we have really now we're ready for operational excellence mm-hmm. you know now the members look at us as as thought leaders and as confident and like we're the right guides for this journey mm-hmm. and i'm really proud of that because creating a team has been very hard it's so hard for so many people mm-hmm. and it's so hard especially for startups because you don't have the budget that a multinational has it doesn't mean that you can necessarily bring in the right people through just you know some kind of a pay mm-hmm. like just for money 
you're looking for these soft skills, you're these hard skills, you're looking for to create a culture that people want to belong to. Our mission was very easy for people to resonate with, but when it came from the training, we needed to take time on that. Mm-hmm. And I'm really, really proud of the team. Mm-hmm. And what helped you shift that mindset from like feeling guilty to being like, okay, I am more than ready for this? It's it time. Time. Yeah. Time. I, I For me, I think it just was time and I think it was a little bit of space. You know, I think that like this gratitude, again, comes from having taken a step back. They always say that it's hard to make decisions when you're in the forest, right? Like that's like the famous saying about, you know, don't be so stuck in the forest. You know, mm-hmm. you're not going to see the trees. You're just going to see it. it's all a blur. Mm-hmm. And that's how it feels when you're an entrepreneur in the first year. Everything is very much a blur. And I have a friend who I always I kind of stole on this from him because I loved it when he said it. He's another entrepreneur. And he said, I work off. He goes, I'm so sorry I didn't respond to your phone call. I work off urgency. And I was like, I totally know what that means. That's how I felt the whole first year and a half. Mm-hmm. Everything was urgency. Whoever was in was urgent got my attention. Whether mm-hmm. it was a member or a partner or an investor or whether it was a technology issue or like the lights didn't work mm-hmm. for the day. You work off urgencies. And it yeah. takes time and practice to, yeah. to delegate, yeah. take a step back and actually work on strategy. And I think it's all part of the game. Yeah, I feel like delegating is super key. And since I also started delegating and hiring Super small team, which I'm super proud of. Now I'm like, I can breathe, you know, and I'm even more creative and um, yeah, more at peace, more balance. I can give back more, you know? So I think delegating is super important because sometimes we try to do everything ourselves because we feel like we're super woman, at least I did. And then I was like, I'm not super woman, you know? And I am very aware of the skills that I have and what I'm good at, but I'm not good at everything, right? So I was like, okay, what am I good at? Coaching and sales. So let's focus on that and then delegate the rest, Mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. Um, So if you could go back in time, would you change anything? No, I wouldn't. I mean, even compared to that first thing I said about almost, you know, we went too fast. Mm. No, I don't think I would. Honestly, I think I I would learn. So when we open our next house, absolutely, I'll do things differently. But I don't think it would have changed them because I would have learned from them. Um, I think with this project, in many ways, you know, Junior House is a project of destiny. Everything about this project has been kind of like fueled by something bigger. Um, And I'm not the most spiritual person. My co-founder is much more spiritual than me. And I still believe this, you know, even we had a different property and it fell through and the day after we found this property which nothing could have been as spectacular as where we are now you know walking in Arenera, this very hidden entrance in the middle of Aribao Diagonal like I might have regretted that other property if I hadn't found this one but we found it mm-hmm. right just all of the energy through the women and our members who support this who are mm-hmm. so there's the women are so incredible here it's like just surrounding yourself by the creme de la creme of mm-hmm. really want to excel um, so I think that everything about this project needed to take its time. We made a lot of mistakes, mm. so many mistakes that I'm sure any project takes. But I don't think if we, I don't, I don't think if we, if we did it differently, I don't think it'd be yeah, hundred percent, totally believe that. And what advice would you give to aspiring female CEOs that aspire to be like you one day? Um, absolutely. Again, find your voice, find your confidence, you know, find your balance and don't be afraid to take risks, to be bold. I think as a woman, it's even more, more important, you know, um, to really not play it too safe that you can get lost in the crowd. I think we're already kind of lost in the crowd. So I think it's important for women leaders to, to stand out a little bit, you know, and to find what makes them unique and use it as a superpower. 
and it can be anything, you know, it could be creative or it could be operation or it could be, so there isn't, I don't think there's any one characteristic that defines that. Um, and I think also one of the pieces of advice I give a lot more for entrepreneurs versus CEOs, I think CEOs are much, much about learning about empathy, emotional intelligence, leadership, listening. I'm still working on that myself. Mm. When it comes to entrepreneurship, I think that another piece of advice I give a lot, which is a little bit controversial, but I think that entrepreneurship sometimes is very much like we have this glam glamorous idea of what it means mm -hmm. to be an entrepreneur. I think one of the stigmas at Junior House that we talk a lot about and our members too is it's not for everybody actually. No. You know, entrepreneurship's not for everybody. A lot of people have this idea that if they become an entrepreneur, they'll work less. No. Total, total opposite. You'll work so much more and you'll be responsible for everything mm -hmm. from accounting mm -hmm. to, you know, mm -hmm. to HR to marketing and sales. So I think that's something that I always try and kind of slip in also because a lot of people glamorize entrepreneurship and I think we need more women entrepreneurs. We need more women in innovation in general. I also think it's important to know yourself and know what kind of lifestyle you're looking for. 100% because I am an entrepreneur myself and I've been like reading a lot about, you know, this, you know, industry, if you want to call it like that. And the percentage of female entrepreneurs is way lower than men entrepreneur, right? So we definitely need absolutely women. We need more women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. And I feel like what we talked about, about like delegating is what has helped me the most, right? Because you do like one million things and also set boundaries because I can work seven days a week if I want to, because for me, I love my job exactly. so much that it doesn't feel like yeah, there's, there's, no boundaries. there's no boundaries. And until it reached a point where I was like, okay, I either set boundaries or I'm going to burn out. And I don't want that, mm -hmm. you know? And I feel like this is something that a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with. Just oh, sure. Working nonstop. And then burning out, but finding the way to get yourself back up again. Which is the hardest part. Yeah. <laughs> and that Definitely. takes a little bit of, I think, space again. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Anything else that you would like to add, share with no, us? No, I mean, I just am glad that you could come in. I would encourage everybody, anybody who's curious about what we're doing to come in and book a tour and, you know, check it out for yourself. I think that um, for many people, especially here in Spain, the idea of a members club still seems like really exclusive. And, and and that's one thing that another stigma that we're trying to kind of break down in Jew House. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's so many inspiring women here, but we come from all walks of life. You know, mm -hmm. and one of the things that we love that were intergenerational so there's women and that's really important also for supporting your ecosystem right you have, you have like young young women in their early 20s who are really who come here and maybe they're drawn in for more of the interiors you know and yes and they're finding a mentor and they're growing and then you have more senior profiles of women who are actually already at ceo levels some of them who are at that at big 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 companies and they come here and they're more looking for a glass of wine and to relax and then the next thing you know, they've met somebody younger. So it's really cool, this ecosystem that we're building. And I think it kind of goes back to what's so different about Juno House compared to I actually love that. Because for me specifically, I'm 27 years old. I'm mm -hmm. turning 28 this year. And I love surrounded by people that are older than me because yeah. they know more. They have more experience and I can learn so much from them. And there's something that I haven't seen in like any members club because it's usually like younger people, let's right. say. Um, so having like a 50-year-old CEO there that I can talk to if I want to. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, that's definitely one of the things I think makes mm. it stand out. Yeah. I think that goes again back to our values of collaboration. Mm. Mm. Beautiful. Thank you so much, sweetheart. I Thank really you. enjoyed this podcast. I learned so much. I'm sure it was super useful for you guys too. Come check it out. I'm going to do a tour right now. I'm super excited to see it and I'll see you around. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks.